The reality is we all need hope, don't we? I mean, we live in a world that sometimes is filled with darkness and sometimes has uh, created circumstances that mean hope is not alive in the kind of realities that we live in. Uh, we witnessed that yet again over this past week when we had um, a, a celebrity who took his own life. Some of you may or may not have known him, but uh, Stephen Boss, who went by Twi Twitch, uh, took his own life, and uh, a life that seemingly had everything, uh, lots of fun, had been a part of uh, So You Think You Can Dance, had been a part of the Ellen DeGeneres show, had been all kinds of uh, participants. And, and so from the outside, everything looked fine. But as many of us know, everything is not always fine, even when it looks fine. And so part of what we need to recognize in this season of Advent is that hope can prevail. That's a part of what the birth of Jesus teaches us is that hope can prevail, that God's love and God's presence and God's realities can help us overcome. And hope is a fascinating thing because often we, we know about it, we know of it, we've heard of it, we, we sometimes even feel it, but often we take it for granted. I mean, when we think about it, hope is what gets us up in the morning. Hope is what kind of pushes us through the workday when it's not exactly going as we'd imagined. Hope is what uh, takes us through travail and difficult circumstances, crises in our lives. Hope. Hope literally gives life. Hope brings tomorrow. And in a world where hope is not always at the forefront and there's chaos and, and turmoil and travail sometimes in our own world and in our own personal lives, we desperately need hope. It's why as we um, uh, share in this Christmas kaleidoscope theme throughout the season of Advent, we're reminded that not only in the world of brokenness can we see the light of Christ, but that light shines hope in the darkness. And we need that beauty in our own lives to help us better understand God's presence for us and with us. It's one of the great delights of this Advent season leading us into the birth of Jesus, right? It reminds us that we have this hope. And I love this story from Luke's first gospel, uh, first chapter, that helps remind us of this hope. It comes from a teenage girl named Mary. You may have heard of her. And she's got a phenomenal story of hope that I hope will help guide us into our own understanding of hope so that we can indeed share that hope with others. Join me, if you will, in Luke chapter 1, beginning in the 26th verse, whether in the Bibles you brought or the ones that are on your phone, we hear Mary's story this way. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, 
The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I love this story. It's a powerfully rich story with imagery uh, that just protrudes, right? The, The richness of this imagery gives us the powerful good news that there's hope in the world. And it comes on the tail of almost every sentence on the mouth of the angel. You hear the angel say, Mary, you have found favor with God. Don't be afraid. That's hopeful. You hear the angel say, you will bear a son and you will name him Jesus. And we learned last week that means God saves. That's good news. That's hopeful. We hear from the angel that um, this child to be born to you, Mary, will be uh, of the ancestor of his ancestor David, and he will uh, be on the throne of, of his ancestor Jacob, and there will be no end to that kingdom. That's hopeful. And you hear the words of the angel say, even your cousin Elizabeth, who is now in her sixth month of pregnancy, for whom uh, she had been barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. That's hopeful. There's all kinds of hope written into this text, and that message comes to us in such a way that we need to take it on ourselves so that as we receive this hope, we can then be hopeful about the future, about tomorrow, about getting up in the morning, about going into work, about doing our thing, whatever's coming, and so that we can share this hope with other people because the world desperately needs the hope of Christ. Now, Mary is just a teenager. We don't know her actual age, but a uh, uh, theologian believes she was probably 13, 14, maybe 15 years old. You can well imagine that this young woman, when she receives this news, has got all kinds of things dancing in her head, dancing in her heart about what this means and how it's going to have impact on her life and how it might have impact on other people's lives and the ways in which it will change the literal trajectory of her life. And yet I maintain that everything Mary does is filled with hope, filled with the good news that there is a possibility beyond ourselves, and that is hope. Watch what Mary does, and let's try to um, uh, take that into our own hearts and lives, try to uh, imagine what that would look like if we did what Mary did so that we too would have this hope that Mary has, so that we too would be able to share that hope that Mary shares. The very first thing that Mary does is she listens. She listens to the angel. She listens to the profound words that the angel says. And mind you, lest you think to yourself, well, golly, I've never had an angel come to me. I've never had these kind of messages in my dreams. But I just need to remind us all that an angel, by definition, is simply a messenger of God. And my hunch is We've all had a messenger or two in our own lives that we didn't fully understand at the time, but in hindsight, we may reflect, oh, my golly, I think that might have been God talking to me. 
I think that might have been a message from the Lord. I think somehow God was speaking to me. So we do have angels and we do have people who speak into our lives. And Mary did a simple thing. She just listened. She pondered in her heart, but she listened to the profound words that the angel shared with her, and she began to take them in and take them on in her life, and she began to realize that there were possibilities here, and that maybe this meant something for her life and indeed for the world. And I wonder to myself, in this busy, chaotic season that gets us all ready for the birth of Jesus, all kinds of parties, all kinds of events, all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of things to participate in, if sometimes we don't lose sight of how we need to listen to God and listen for the still small voice and listen for the ways that God is trying to speak into our hearts and to our lives the peace and the joy and the hope that God can prevail. It changed Mary's life. It can change ours. I ponder about that very last book in the Bible. You know, the book of Revelation we sometimes are afraid of because it has all kinds of messages for us that we don't always understand. But I reflect on Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, where John says to us quite literally, listen, listen. And off the mouth of God says, I am standing at the door knocking. And if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will eat together and we will fellowship together. And God would say, I, I will nourish you and, and feed you and, and strengthen you and give you peace. And I wonder sometimes if we don't need to listen a little more to what it is God is saying and how it is God is um, trying to give us a message of hope in our own lives. What would that look like for who we are and how it is that we follow Jesus and how we prepare for his coming? And then on the opposite end, what would it be like if we began to listen to those in our sphere of influence, whether family or relative or neighbor, friend, work colleague, who may be in a pickle, who may be in a difficult set of circumstances, who may feel hopeless or lifeless, if we could simply listen, we could offer them hope. We could help them to know that someone cares, that God is with them, that God is for them. And what a difference that could make if we would first listen to God and then listen to others. Mary did a simple thing, but it changed who she was and it changed the world second thing that Mary did that I think we could all take in is that Mary let love motivate her. She let the love of God, because God is love, right? She let the love of God motivate her to do what it was she would eventually do, which was to birth God, to, to make this possibility reality. But it first had to be motivated by the very essence of who God is, love. And then she became motivated in a selfless kind of love, that offered her body, her soul, her very being for the world. Can you imagine what she was thinking? <laughs> this, this wasn't on my plan. This wasn't in my five-year forecast or 10-year plan, right? I, I, didn't, I didn't make this happen. I didn't necessarily even want this. But Mary could have done any number of things and run from this whole set of circumstances. And yet what she chose to do was to receive the love of God and then to demonstrate love by giving herself to God and to the world so that the world might know that love 
and recognize the power of that love. I love the way uh, Peter writes it in his first letter in 1 Peter chapter uh, 4. He literally just says, above all, maintain constant love for one another because love literally um, casts out a multitude of sins. And isn't that hopeful, right? Don't we know that those people that we're closest to and love the dearest, that sometimes they cause harm to us and, and of course, sometimes we cause harm to them. And what we need to know is that the love that we have for that person, the love that we have for others, man, it can cast out a multitude of sin. That's the way God works. And that's the way God desires to be in relationship with us because God yearns to help us to know, the world to know that we are loved. And man, Mary just lives that out in the most tangible of ways by receiving the word from the angel and then giving herself over to God in the most complete of ways so that the world might know and experience this love. Let's be motivated by love. Because when we are loved, when we experience love in our own lives, hope is always there. And isn't that what we need? It's just a little more hope in the world. Now notice what else Mary does. She trusts God with her whole self. She trusts the words of the angel. She trusts that it's going to come true. She trusts that somehow God has a, a better way. She trusts that somehow God's going to get her through this. And who of us hasn't had a point in our lives where things were clearly not going the way we'd imagine? Things are, whether at work or in family or, or with our addiction or with anything that's going on in our lives. And we wondered, can I trust God with that? Can I trust that God will keep me? Can I trust that God will help me through? Can I trust that somehow God will prevail? And it, it often tests our faith. It often challenges who we are. And yet Mary, a teenage young girl, she chose to trust the powerful words of the angel. And as she did, it would transform who she became. It would transform who she was. She would become highly favored, as it says. She would become the mother of God. She would produce the savior of the world. She would make possible for all of the world to have a transformation of heart. And it all started with trust. I likewise love the way Peter writes in his own letter uh, in the very first chapter of 1 Peter. It quite literally just says, through him, meaning Jesus, through him uh, we have come to trust in God who has raised him from the dead and offered him glory so that we might place our trust and our hope in God. What a powerful message. But trust, simple as it is, is one of the most difficult and challenging things we do, isn't it? We have to trust our spouses. We have to trust our work colleagues. We have to trust our family members. And sometimes because humans have let us down, sometimes because relationships have not always been as we had hoped or imagined, we, we struggle with trusting God. We struggle with believing that somehow God's going to be there for us. And, and sometimes we think, well, what trust means is that God's going to wipe away that difficult circumstance, or trust means that God's going to make sure that never comes to fruition, that, that bad thing, right? That's not, that's not how God works. 
God never said, um, your life is going to be perfect and without travail and without chaos and without turmoil. What God did say is, I'm with you. I'm right beside you. And I'm here to help you every step of the way, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. My cup runneth over. You see, we've got to trust God. And this is the same God who, as, as the angel said, uh, makes the impossible possible, right? This is the same God who makes things possible that we might not otherwise could have ever fathomed. This is the same God that at a word brought life into being. At a word, this God parted the Red Sea. At a word, this God created the Ten Commandments. At a word, this God helped bring manna down in the, in the forest. At a word, this God allows a pregnant, unwed teenage girl in an obscure town and in an in uh, unknown uh, community of faith to birth God. Because this God is worthy of trust. And this God can make all things possible. You see, that's hope. That's hope beyond hope. And that's a gift that Mary is teaching us as she listens to the angel, as she is motivated by love, as she seeks to trust God. And in and through that brings hope not only to her, but to all of us who witness this in her and of her and can then share with others. But notice Mary's not done yet. Mary does one final thing that in the moment seems so simple, and yet it is so prolific. Mary takes action. Her action is very straightforward. It, it comes only in the form of words in the moment, but it would change her and it would change the trajectory of the world. She takes action by saying, quite literally, let it be. Let it be with me according to your word. And in that instant, the action that Mary takes is, I will do this. I will take on this message, I will take on this action, I will take on this birth, and I will help the world come to know, God, that you love us unconditionally, that you offer us hope beyond compare, that you will rain peace down in this creation, and that you will bring joy incomparable. Let it be. And Mary changes the trajectory of her life and of the world, and a part of what she teaches you and me is that we too need to take action. Not only should we be listening to God, not only should we place our whole trust in God, not only should we let God's love motivate us, but let's take action with that love and with that motivation that others may come to witness and experience this same hope. You know that powerful story in the New Testament of, of the man who fell among robbers and uh, the, the lawyer asked Jesus, how, how is it that I can inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him the story of what you and I know, know as the parable of the Good Samaritan. And after he's taken care of everything for that man who'd fell among robbers, uh, Jesus said, well, who do you suppose proved to be neighbor to that guy? And Luke chapter 10 verse 37 just puts it point blankly. The man says to Jesus, well, I suppose the one who demonstrated mercy and then, of course, Jesus' simple response, go and do likewise. Friends, my prayer for us all is that we know this hope 
of Christ. We know the hope of His birth. We understand what it has done for us. Now let's do something about that. Let's take that to the world. Let's share it in such a way that others can experience it as well, because there's nothing quite like experiencing hope. Because when we do, it changes our lives. It changes the lives of those around us, and it changes the world. And so I wonder, what is it we might could do that we've learned from Mary that might help us take action to share this hope? Just some simple things, so simple that sometimes we forget them, almost like hope. What would it look like if this Christmas we gave presents, that is to say, our presents to people, rather than feel obligatory in how it is we need to buy presents. Maybe, maybe if we just showed up, maybe if we visited somebody we wouldn't normally visit, maybe if we, we made ourselves present to folks in a way that we had not done before. Because when we're present with and to people, there's a hopefulness. Somebody cares. Somebody cherishes me. Somebody wants to be with me, and I now have hope because you gave yourself to me. I wonder if we could simply give presence in a tangible way, much like God is with us in Jesus. I wonder if we could also maybe um, give personally, that is to say, that we make that presence real in simple ways. Maybe we make a gift or we make a cake. Maybe we hand write a note to somebody. Maybe we share in a way that we have not shared in, in another way, that we make it personal and we reveal ourselves because a part of what God yearns for from us, for the world, is that we reveal God's love. And I know no better way to reveal God's love than person to person, personally. I share my struggles, you share yours. I share my joys, you share yours. We celebrate together, we mourn together, we make it personal, right? Some of you have seen them online. I, I know I've been uh, uh, fascinated by them. They're these Christmas lists you see online, will you pull up the Christmas list? Just simple ways to be present or to wrap people in hugs or to send love or to donate food, to make time for people, to be the light, to enjoy parties without stress. Is that, is that even possible? But our realities are this, friends. We have a personal God who became present to us and his presence became precious. You know, when Jesus taught and healed and preached and shared and, and offered himself to people, it didn't cost him a dime. The reality is it cost him his life, didn't it? And if we are to give presence and to give personally, I want to suggest that we could also give preciously, that is to say, our time, our energy, our efforts, our commitment to the relationship. Because every time I've known love and I've been loved, I'm hopeful. Every time somebody makes me feel valued and worthy, I, I become hopeful. Every time somebody makes me a part of their connection and their relationship, I discover hope. I bet you're the same way. And I know others are too. Isn't it fascinating? Hope is so simple and yet so challenging. 
It can captivate us and it can elude us. But if we'll take aim, uh, take aim at Mary's lessons today, they're so simple. Listen and respond. Listen to the messengers of God and respond. It doesn't take much, but it does take us. And when we partake and receive so that we can then share, it will change the world. And that's why Jesus came. That's the gift that we celebrate. I pray that we would be a part of that hope this day and the next so that we can indeed see God's kingdom and make it real. Will you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, thank you for this young woman named Mary, for the profound lesson she teaches us of how it is we can listen to you, God, and make room and space for you in our lives in this busy, chaotic season. Thank you, God, for Mary who teaches us that, God, you are such love and we can be love in the world if we'll just be motivated by your love more than anything else. God, thank you that she trusted your words from the angel, that she committed herself fully to you. May we trust that your word is true and that it can change who we are and therefore offer hope to the world. And God, most of all, help us to take action by demonstrating your hope in our lives that the world may know that hope of Jesus as well. God, this is our prayer. And we pray this day and the next that we can be faithful to your hope, the hope of the world. This we pray in the name of Jesus, whom we know to be the Christ. Amen. Friends, a part of the hope that you bring, that you demonstrate each and every week is your generosity and giving. Thank you for making ministry possible, and thank you for changing lives through that. If you brought a gift with you this morning, we're grateful, and I encourage you to drop it in the brown boxes by the white columns right outside the door. Or, of course, you can scan the QR code on the screen or text the letters T-M-U-M-C to the number 45777. But whatever you give, we're grateful. Thank you.